Uh, we welcome all of our moms together today, and some of those were some older pictures, um, and there was a lot of fun putting that together. Um, ben and Dina might get the award for the most well-behaved children. <laughs> that was great. I will post that online a little bit later today on Facebook if you just want to watch it back through. Um, <clears throat> Parents Magazine uh, asked dads, what do you most want to get uh, your wife, your mom, for Mother's Day? And dads overwhelmingly said flowers. Um, and then they turned around and asked moms, moms, what would you most like to get on Mother's Day? And what do you suppose perhaps mom said? No, none of those. She asked for a day off. <laughs> no surprise, right? Um, now, there may be a reason that men don't understand that this is what moms want, uh, that they wanted a day off. And one of the reasons why is because of how men think. And um, I was just happened looking online for some different material for this week, and this is one of the things I ran across, and this is what the uh, person said. They said, it's Mother's Day. Relax. Lie down on the sofa, Mom. Watch TV. Enjoy a drink. Don't do anything around the house today. And then the, um, the statement concluded by saying, in other words, pretend that you're dad. You know, all kidding aside, Mother's Day is always something that I look forward to, and it's a topic that I'm passionate about, because it, I believe that one of the greatest gifts that, my, that God gives to all women, um, gives to women, is uh, the honor of being a mother. And I realize in saying this, that for some ladies, this can be a point of pain, because there are many ladies who have been trying for a long time to have children, and so on Mother's Day, it can carry with it a very special kind of pain. Now, I'm not God, and I don't understand why God's timing is what God's timing is. Uh, but as I look back through the Bible, it does give us some sense of hope and some sense of God's timing. When we look at the stories of Sarah, we look at the stories of Ruth, we look at the stories of Hannah and Rachel, God made all of these women wait until God's proper time for them to become mothers. And through the long nights and through the unanswered questions that I'm sure that they had and through their tears, God blessed these ladies for their willingness to trust him even with the long delay. And so what I would like to say is that if you would trust God through the questions and you would trust God through the long nights, I'm here to tell you that God will honor you and bless you if you will continue to trust him for that gift that perhaps um, he has in store for you someday. Now, for those of you who are moms and for those of you who are grandmoms, I want to talk to you about what it means today to be a godly mother, to, to some principles that we can learn uh, from the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, and how she mothered in God's way. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And um, as evangelical Christians, I think we give the mother Mary a little too, uh, too little credit. Mary was a godly woman. Uh, she was a devout follower um, of the Lord. And were it otherwise, think about this, God the Father never would have chosen her to become the father to, or the mother to uh, the Lord Jesus. And remember, God did not choose Mary uh, just to carry Jesus to term. He chose her because he knew that she would be a proper and holy mother, that she would raise and nurture the incarnate Son of God. And that means that in Mary's life, we can find some principles of godly motherhood. And so that's what I want to take a look at today. I don't have a specific scripture for us to, um, to dive into, just some scriptures across Mary's life. And so that's what we're going to take a look at. So these three principles I want to share with you today of mothering God's way. So the first of those principles is that Mary was totally available to God's will for her life. She was totally available to God's will for her life. 
You know, I'm sure that Mary's childhood had gone fairly smoothly. Um, she had been planning for, uh, to get married one day, and sure enough, um, Joseph came along. She was a very virtuous young lady. She became engaged. She was planning on her wedding. She was planning on her married life. And then all of a sudden, God had his plans came in and interrupted all of Mary's plans. The first thing that God did was he totally redirected her engagement. Mary became pregnant, remember this, during her engagement period. And in the first century, in the Jewish world, this would have been an absolutely scandalous thing to have happened. Um, you can imagine the conversations as Mary was around some of her friends that she had grown up with and trying to explain to them what had happened. You know, one day I was on my way down to go get some water, and the angel of the Lord appeared to me and said that God was going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make me pregnant, and that's why I'm pregnant today. And I'm sure many of her friends rolled their eyes and said, yeah, right. Mary, we know how this happens. Friends, when Jesus was a grown man during his public ministry, his enemies um, reported, they said, John chapter 8 and verse 41, we were not born of sexual immorality, that is, like you, Jesus, were. Jesus is over 30 years of age. This piece of information about how Mary got pregnant continues to follow her throughout all of her um, known earthly life. Second, God stepped up in a complete, and completely disrupted Mary's early married life. I mean, like any expectant bride, Mary longed for that special time of intimacy with Joseph that is normal during the first months of marriage. But the Bible says, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 25, that Joseph took Mary as his wife, and he knew her not until she had given birth to the Lord Jesus. Third, God totally redirected the birth of her first child. I'm sure that Mary had dreamed of the birth of their baby, how that they would, she and Joseph were going to set up a house together and they'd have their little cottage together and Joseph was a carpenter and how he was going to make this cradle and she was going to place the new baby, that, her first baby, her firstborn in this little cradle and how it was just going to be this beautiful time of having her mother there and having her sisters there and having her family around her as she was giving birth to her firstborn. But it wasn't like that at all. Instead, Mary gave birth to Jesus in a dirty little stable instead of in a cute little cottage. She gave birth surrounded by animals instead of being surrounded by her family and her own mother. She gave birth um, in a dirty, and put him in a dirty little trough, not in a handcrafted little cradle. And finally, God totally, totally directed Mary's plans for a peaceful family life. You remember the story, Herod the Great, the um, king of Judea, uh, decided that he wanted to kill the little baby Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph had to flee down into Egypt, and Jesus took his first steps in foreign soil, in Egyptian sand. Mary didn't, wasn't able to be around her family during those first early years as she was rearing her firstborn. The point is that Mary's plans for her whole life were completely disrupted as God's will for her life stepped into her own plans. And would you notice Mary's response to all of that uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary was completely yielded to God's plans for her life. To put it another way, Mary was not available to God so long as God's plans fit into her plans, but rather Mary was available despite whatever God's plans were, even if it made scrambled eggs out of the plans that Mary had made and that's exactly what happened. Ladies, this kind of availability is a central ingredient when it comes to godly motherhood. Just like Mary, every one of you has plans for life and dreams for life, but as a mother, you must temper every one of those with the words, let it be to me 
according to your word. Mary was yielded to God's plans for her life. Ladies, being utterly available to God's will does not always involve um, an unplanned pregnancy or colossal changes. It often happens in the everyday affairs of life. Like when you get this little gift from God and it reduces the eight hours of sleep that you had planned on into three hours of sleep. For example, also like when that little person needs and you have a to-do list and your to-do list becomes the I didn't get to do it list because of the needs of that little person in your life. Or like when that little person's braces cause your new sofa to uh, evaporate into thin air and God finds out how available you really are to his will. The bottom line is that a godly mother like Mary is available to God's will without reservations, no matter what God's plans do to her plans. The second principle that we see in Mary's life is that Mary was a woman of great spiritual depth, of great spiritual depth. You know, when Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem and he was 12 years of old, 12 years, 12 years of age, and there was, um, he was saying, to the, saying things to the rabbis at the temple, and half the people there didn't know what he was talking about, but they were amazed at what he had to say. It says, Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, that Mary, upon hearing all this, treasured up these things in her heart. Literally, the Greek term there means that she considered them. She meditated on them. She reflected on this occasion in Jesus' life. Mary was the woman who knew how to roll spiritual things over and over in her mind. She knew how to meditate on spiritual things and how to go deep into the things of God so that when Jesus began his public ministry at the wedding of Cana, it says that Mary was there and walked up to the people at the wedding and said, John chapter 2 and verse 5, do whatever the Lord Jesus tells you to do. Now, this was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He hadn't even given a sermon yet. And already his mother knew that the Lord Jesus had something special, that the Lord Jesus had something that he wanted to share, and she wanted other people to be willing to hear it as well. Um, again, this wasn't Jesus' wedding. This wasn't her wedding. But when Jesus stepped up, she was willing to support him. This was a deep woman of God, a spiritual woman. And the reason that she was a spiritual woman is not because she was born that way. It's not why she was the way she was. It's because she had intentionally purposed to be that way. She had cultivated her relationship with a living God. And ladies, to be a godly mother, it takes this kind of spiritual passion and zeal in one's life. A godly mother must be a woman of the book, a woman who pursues God in her heart, a woman who meditates and ponders God's truth, a woman who seeks her roots deeply into God each and every day. I love what the preacher from uh, the Civil War era, Henry Ward Beecher, had to say. And Henry Ward Beecher was an abolitionist. He was a tremendous preacher um, of his day. He was a Congregationalist minister. And this is what he said. He said, a mother's heart is the child's classroom. A mother's heart is a child's classroom. And friends, that's true because if we are going to train our children to know the Lord, that means a mother must have a heart that is spiritual and connected to God. She must be a woman of spiritual depth. And how does a woman become this way? Well, friends, it's simple. It's by spending time with God himself alone. It's by spending time in the word of God, studying, reading, pondering. This is why the psalmist wrote Psalm 119 and verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Mary meditated on God's Word. She spent time in front of God's Word. She spent time listening to teaching of God's Word, and she allowed all of that to, be, to grow and nurture inside of her and develop her spiritual life. Moms, we know that when you get to the end of your day and you finally get to sit down and take a breath, that, that, that you've earned that opportunity, you've earned that time. But listen, faster than you will ever know, those little people will be out from underneath of your roof and off into life. Just this past week, we enjoyed a time this past Friday of my eldest daughter uh, graduating from high school, and she was doing some different things at the school. And I got to tell you, it hit me. I apologize to all the dads that I've given a hard time about your children graduating from high school before, <laughs> right? And because some of y'all, I know I've given you a hard time about watching you tear up and stuff. I mean, I was a total disaster Friday. <laughs> um, I literally had to leave. I was the first parent who left the facility. I'm like, I just got to get out of here because I was just, I didn't want to have show the ugly cry because um, it was on its way. Um, but I'm telling you, kids, your kids will be out from under your roof before you know it. And the urgent imperative for us is now, while they are still little, is to mold them into young people that honor Jesus Christ, to mold them into people that walk with Jesus Christ. And you may not have much free time in your life right now, moms, but I'm here to tell you that there will come a day that you will have more free time than you could ever know what to do with. So take the time while you have the little ones in your house now, and I challenge you to make sure that you're developing that relationship with the Lord, that you're investing in that relationship with the Lord and in His Word. And as Henry Beecher said, a mother's heart will become a child's, is a child's classroom. Now permit me to stop here for just a moment and say that if you are here today and that um, you've never made a real and personal relationship decision to enter into a real and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then ladies, it reasons that you cannot cultivate a, a relationship with Christ because it does not exist. The greatest gift that you can give your children is not a new car, and it is not a great education, and it is not a nice house to live in or great food to eat in the evenings. Rather, the greatest gift that a mother can give her children is for her to walk with God and for her to be a deep woman of God. And that cannot happen until we give our life to something, uh, until we give our life to Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you're a mom and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to challenge you to give your children the very best gift that you can give them by giving your life to the Lord. Friends, it'll pay great dividends in their lives, and one day they will grow up to call you blessed. All right, third and final principle. If we look at the principles of the life of Mary, what made her a godly mother, a third and finally, is that Mary was willing to let God have his way in her children's lives. That is, she was a willing to allow God's will for her children's life to be the dominating factor in their lives. John chapter 19 says this, John 19 and verse 25, standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother. You know, isn't that interesting that as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, all of the people that were so close to him, I mean, he had hundreds of followers, thousands of people that he had healed. He had these 12 disciples that he was so close to and been pouring into and traveled with him all this time and said, we will never, never turn our backs on you. And the one person who actually stayed by the cross was his mother. He was bleeding, he was bruised, he was rejected, he was dying. 
And friends, you have to, you've got to be a mother to understand what was going through her heart as she was watching her son suffer on the cross. And yet Mary had been warned years ago that this day was coming. If you remember when she and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to be, um, uh, to be uh, uh, christened or whatever, dedicated to the Lord, uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 35 um, Simeon said, said, said to her, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Now it occurs to me that Mary could have responded, now that she knows what's going to happen to her son, she could have responded by a lifelong effort to shield him and to protect him from this terrible thing that was coming down the pipe. She could have tried to hinder Jesus from following through with the Father's will for his life. She could have manipulated Jesus with guilt. You know, you're my oldest son. My, your father has now passed. Who's going to take care of me? Jesus, don't go out there on the road and begin doing ministry. Stay back here at the home with me. Take care of me. She knew that doom was coming, and yet she was willing to allow Jesus to enter into it anyway because she had released her son to the will of God for his life. And why did she do this? Because this is what godly moms do. A godly mom cherishes for her children only those plans that God himself has for her children, even if the cost of doing that is extremely high. Friends, this is very hard. It's a difficult thing that Mary did. And as moms here today, we know that we have dreams for our children, and as moms, we want our children to achieve great things that we perhaps never were able to achieve ourselves. We want to give our kids the very best and see them go on to do great things. And I'm sure that Mary had those kinds of dreams for the Lord Jesus. Being a godly mother, she set her boy free, though, to follow God's will for his life rather than to do what she wanted for him to do. And I, I know that there are moms here today that have children that are ill, and I know that there are moms here today who have children with special needs, and there are moms here today who have children who are far away from home doing God's will, and we miss them. It's hard not to have them close by. There are some of us here today who have children who have gone on to heaven ahead of us. And so to release our children to the will of God can be awfully hard sometimes. But a godly mom is a mom who says, son, daughter, more than anything else in this world, the thing I want for you most is to follow God's will for your life. And if that's what God's will is, then that's where I want you to go. That's what I want for you to pursue. And if you're like Mary today, and God's will for your child has brought you real pain, ladies, I'm here to say that Mary understood what this meant that she rose above the pain as a godly woman and embraced God's will for her son. And ladies, I want for you to do the same, to find the joy of embracing God's will for your life, even if it causes you pain, because this is what a godly mom does. She wants God's will for her son, for her daughter, above anything else. All right, let's summarize. Mary's life reveals three principles of mothering God's way. Number one, a total availability to God's will for her life. Number two, a passion for spiritual depth in her life. And number three, total surrender of her children to the will of God for their lives. 
Now, let me say that many of us had moms like this growing up. And if you had a mom like mother, like Mary growing up, then you were count yourself extremely blessed. Um, and if your mom is living today, I challenge you to pick up the phone, go visit her today, and let her hear the words that she is blessed in your eyes. How, I shouldn't even looked over there, right? <laughs> <Let's> restart. <laughs> um, let her hear. Uh, that she is blessed in your eyes, and how grateful you are, and how thankful you are for, um, for all that she's poured into you and the sacrifices that have been made. Now, not every one of us, though, had a mom like this. And so my challenge to you today is for you to be a mom like this, to start a new legacy for your family so that your children will say that you're blessed and your grandchildren will say that their mom is blessed and so on down the line. My challenge to you is for generations to come to start that legacy for your family now. And that's my challenge. And let me say in closing that all you ladies here who have dedicated your lives to... That's been a rough week. I mean, <laughs> that we as your husbands honor you. That we as your sons and your daughters Thank God for you. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for um, the moms in our lives, for what they have invested, what they have sacrificed, the prayers they have prayed, the lives they have lived, all, Lord, that they have endured. We are so grateful. We know, Lord Jesus, that you feel that same gratitude Mary loved you. She released you to the Father's will. Lord, she did so much, pouring and investing and sacrificing. And so, God, Lord Jesus, you just share in our, um, our gratefulness. Lord, we just ask for your blessing over those that have gone on before us. We ask for your blessing, Lord, um, over the moms that we have still among us. God, may we um, speak into their ears words of praise. May they know, God, how much they mean to us. Lord, as we come around this table now to be reminded of your shed blood and of your broken body, we're reminded of the verse there, 1 John 4 and 21, that we love because you first loved us. All of this started with you, Lord Jesus. Your outstretched arms, your willingness to stand in the Father's will, to be obedient to his call on your life. The moms in this room could want nothing more for their children. Lord, we just ask in this quiet moments that you would warm the hearts of mothers, you would comfort them, you would remind them of their great worth in the eyes of their families. And Lord, if any be here today who do not know you, who have not begun a relationship with you, Jesus, may in these quiet moments they surrender themselves to you, invite you into their heart, ask you for the forgiveness of sins, and to begin to walk a journey with you. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. 
The communion elements are there in the seat in front of you. We invite you to join in a time of communion, and then we'll close with a song of worship.